This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. Hello, everybody. Welcome in here to the Get After It Podcast. I'm stoked. Uh, to share this with you guys today. This is one of our final live discussion calls that we're going to be sharing here on the podcast. And I'm ecstatic to introduce our guest, which is uh, Mr. Anthony Franco. I first got introduced, um, or I actually, I had not met Anthony in person, but uh, I, got, I first got introduced to his company because um, a couple good friends of mine that live in Denver work with him uh, on his team. And I got a chance to see his whole facility. He's got an, uh, just a really cool facility in Denver. Uh, as to what he does. And, and just to give you guys a, a quick uh, bio on him, and he'll do this here in the first few few minutes as, the, as uh, most of our guests do. I want to hit on this. Uh, he's founded seven different successful companies. Uh, he sold four of them. Um, and he, he holds multiple patents, leadership positions in creative design, feature film, post-production, technological ar uh, architecture, advertising production, enterprise product development. I mean, I could go on. This is straight off of his uh, LinkedIn page. Um, Anthony right now currently is the founder of MC Squares, which is a whiteboard company in, uh, out of Denver, Colorado. And if you guys follow any of my social media, you'll know about a couple of weeks ago, I got an order from them, uh, in right before they appeared on Shark Tank. Um, this is really cool. He actually dives into the process behind uh, getting on Shark Tank, what it's like when you're actually there and filming and pitching your business to the sharks. He'll also talk a little bit. Uh, he can't talk exclusive, extensively because the deal is still being finalized, but he'll talk about the deal that him and his company reached with Kevin O'Leary and O'Leary Ventures, which is really cool. Um, and I'm, I'm honestly just stoked for this. I mean, MC Squares, I believe in the company. I have their products. They're freaking awesome whiteboard products. You should check those out. Um, we'll put a link here in the description of the show notes. And with that being said, Anthony's just, for me, struck me as somebody who could not live if he wasn't an entrepreneur. He cannot work for somebody. And I think you guys will get uh, that vibe through this interview. He's got an amazing goal, an awesome team. I can personally attest to that. And I'm just really excited to bring this one to you guys. Uh, without further ado, Mr. Anthony Franco in our live discussion. But uh, Anthony, would you mind just giving us a quick introduction? I know a lot of us got it on the Shark Tank episode, but I also know that that was cut down and redacted heavily. Uh, but would you mind giving us a brief introduction? And by the way, congratulations on Shark Tank. I know you guys are crushing it since then and definitely before as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it was an experience. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, real briefly, Siri Entrepreneur, um, MC Squares is my really my fifth startup. I have a couple of hobby businesses that I started, um, but really MC squares will be my fifth. The other are all four. The other four were in technology. So I'm, I'm traditionally a software nerd. Um, and, uh, uh, gosh, what else? Uh, I sold, sold four of my other companies, um, in progression. Um, uh, now I make whiteboards. I, actually, all my all my uh, all my past uh, colleagues, you know, they, they look at me like you're selling whiteboards now. And I'm like, no, they're it's not just white. They're kind of cool. You got to see them. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a little bit different to be in something physical, a physical product versus 
um, writing code and selling uh, services. Um, gosh, that, that, I, think, I think it's good enough. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and do, you mind, do you mind giving us, we're, we're all curious. We'd love to hear just about the Shark Tank. I, I, I know there's an awesome story behind it and how hard it was to get on there initially not just for you, but for anybody who's trying to get on there. Do you mind giving us the rundown of just the behind the scenes look of getting on there, what it was like to shoot, and how has it been working with uh, Kevin O'Leary since you landed there? Sure. Um, so 40,000 entrepreneurs a year try out for Shark Tank, um, 120 film, and about 80 air. Uh, so it's, it, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's hard, really hard to get on. I, I, I tr I've tried for three or four years, um, tried out five times to get on. Um, I'm very grateful that uh, we didn't get on before. Uh, we just weren't ready. Um, uh, what was it like? In, almost indescribable. Uh, so Shark Tank, if you, I don't know if you guys watch it that much at all, but they cast you in one of three ways. You're either the, uh, the, uh, the hero, the fool, or the villain, right? And so the odds are kind of stacked against you. You have a 60% chance of being cast poorly. And so I was really nervous about being cast the fool. Uh, the villain, uh, not so much, but the, I didn't want to be cast the fool. Uh, so very nerve wracking. And the way you get cast the fool is you don't know your stuff um, or you forget your script. So I rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and really prepared. Um, ironically, um, almost none of my preparation mattered. They didn't ask me about my numbers or my business or anything. They just, they really wanted to dive in deep in the fact that I was, I barely graduated high school and um, uh, was, was a, was a, teased and picked on computer nerd in high school. Um, that's the story they, they clicked into. Um, didn't dive that much into the products. It, it, uh, and I'm a little bummed they did. They didn't because it was um, the, the four sharks that bowed out, they couldn't wrap their head around what it is that we were doing. But I didn't get a, I didn't really have a chance to really describe, I'm not complaining, but I didn't have a chance to describe um, the product lineup to them in, a, in an adequate way. Uh, spent the typical pitch lasts 20 to 30 minutes. I was in there, in there for almost an hour. Um, uh, you could probably see it in the episode. I was starting to really sweat at the end. It was uh, grueling um, being in the studio lights and an, an amazing expenditure of energy. Um, they cut some things I wish they didn't, and they cut some things I'm glad they did. So all in all, I'm very happy with how it... it um, it, it panned out. Um, very true to life. It's a really good set. I mean, very well run production. Um, all the sharks are, are pretty great. Um, I was surprised on how it turned out. I was actually expecting Kevin, since we're kind of a, we're a creative company. Um, I didn't think that he, I th thought he would be the last person to lean in. Um, and he turned out to be the only one. Um, uh, what is it like working with Kevin? We're still actually going through the due diligence. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to work through um, all the things that they're wanting to dig, dig into. I'm really glad that they do. It means that the entrepreneurs, that they actually put money into 
um, they've been really well vetted. To get on, actually, you have to be really well vetted. It's the most stringent process I've ever been through. They do background checks, talk, ask you about every traffic ticket you ever had, um, uh, you know, credit reports, criminal records, all of that stuff. Um, but then, and then you get through it, and then they the the shark actually does more of it. Um, uh, it's been a year, almost a year since we taped, so I've been able to work through a, a little bit better deal for us that Kevin was okay with because we're a much different company now. Um, yeah, it was it was an amusement park. It was a, a once in a lifetime experience. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, I was talking to Allison, this was, uh, I think, last week, and I was just curious to ask you this, because I think it was, you taped in June last year, right? And yep. with you guys, I know you guys have exploded, you know, your first quarter, you guys had awesome growth, you guys have been, and I, that's all I know about, I'm sure you guys have been growing since then, but I'm really curious with it taking, I'm, I was really interested to learn that the deal doesn't go through until it airs, is that right? So you didn't actually- No, I wouldn't say that. Okay. No. So yeah, would love to. So 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 I. So what? When did you, when did Kevin actually jump on board to to join? If, if you know, like, what was that whole twelve months looking like going in, or I guess eleven months from shooting to? Yeah. So we we've always uh, once we left, we always we continued to operate the business as if we weren't going to air and as if we weren't going to get a deal with Kevin, like the deal wasn't going to close. And you have to understand, this is the first time these sharks act, see an entrepreneur. This is truly like, it's true to life. They've never heard of you. They, In fact, if they've heard of you, so Damon, for example, had heard of me before. They, we, we, I would have filmed when Damon wasn't there. So they really don't want it to be the first look. And so it's, it would be really unreasonable for those for those deals that they make on air to be binding. There's so much detail behind a business that, they, I mean, what if I'm lying about my debt? What if, um, what if there's a problem they, had, they, they, they didn't uncover? Like they need to dig a lot deeper into the business than, than what they can do in a 50 minute taping. Uh, so super reasonable. And also, um, you know, entrepreneurs, if you're good, you need to vet the person you're getting into business with. So, um, working with Kevin's team, I've been super impressed with his team. So um, it's, it's, not reason, it's not reasonable to expect that deal to be binding. And it's also reasonable for a shark um, that, so, so of the, let's say a hundred episodes that air, 50 of them walk away with a handshake deal. That's 10 opportunities a shark, <laughs> right? That they have to, that they have to vet. It's a lot of it's and it's time consuming to vet and do due diligence on a company. So, you know, they're going to they're going to focus on the ones that have a have an air date coming up and then prioritize the ones they don't have their air date yet later. Totally makes sense. So it's it's probably more likely that um, you don't have a deal when you air. Uh, it's been known to happen, but it's not. It's not. Uh, of the entrepreneurs that I know that have been on Shark Tank that have gotten a deal um, and closed on a deal, it all they all happened after the air date. But it's just, I think it's just, it's just um, a practical matter, not like a, a thing that they have to do. Sure, sure. 
I have Tyler's got a question. I'm going to throw it to him in one second. I do want to ask Anthony, just so it's, it's so curious. I got my order last week, which is funny. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm so pumped up. I love these, these whiteboards. I, I love cool. what you guys do. I want to ask you about uh, your facility in Denver. I think the coolest thing is that these products are all made in Denver. Um, and the warehouse you get, I mean, I've, Allison gave me like a freaking tour of what you guys have there. It's so cool. And the, and the idea, the concept of shared space for startups. And do you mind talking just a little bit about your mission with that? That's outside of MC squares and just like a little bit about what your mission is for, uh, not even so much your mission, but I know you're in corporate real estate and some of the other work that you do outside of, um, MC squares. You mind just elaborating a little bit on that and just kind of how you, it's not that exciting. Like, uh, um, I've, I've, the, the building that we're in, I have a 30 year lease on, um, and, um, we're actually outgrowing it. So I'm gonna have to sublease it out. Um, uh, done a couple other real estate projects, small ones, um, relative in relative terms, um, just buying a building, re renovating it and selling it. Um, uh, I love entrepreneurs. So I try to, I, I try to be involved with other entrepreneurs as much as I possibly can and help them, um, help them along the way based on my experience. Um, uh, always have my hand and toes into other things. Um, yeah, there's, I don't know what else to say about that. It's, it's, you know, people ask me why, why entrepreneurship? And it's because I can't hold the job any other way. <laughs> um, it's, it's survival. And, and that's because I, I like to be in so many different things at once that um, I'm really difficult to manage. Um, I'm, I'm happy to dig in deeper anywhere, but uh, that, that's a high level. I love it. Hey guys, if you guys have any questions, just let us know in the chat. If you have a question, Tyler, you want to throw your question at Anthony? Yeah, definitely. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I really sure. appreciate it. You had, a, you had an awesome story, dude. Just going on Shark Tank. Um, I've always been so curious about what happens um, on Shark Tank. And I was kind of kind of asked a similar question as to what Aaron asked you. Um, but I had a kid in one of my classes. He actually had went on with a company that he worked with. And um, he talked about the experience of it a little bit. And it's a surface level question, I guess. Like, did you feel like you were able to give like a genuine pitch? Like, were you able to really be yourself? Like, did it feel natural? Or was it really kind of like, I don't know with the, all this, the, the lights and everything, like the public, the production, like, did it feel natural or no? And that is, like I said, surface level question, but just something I'm curious about. Yeah. So, um, it, there's nothing natural about the environment, um, at all. Um, and, but that being said, I do feel like I was able to be myself. Um, and, and that's, I know other entrepreneurs that don't feel that way that have, that have been on it, but I really think that's on them, not on the show. Um, so the, at least the producers that were working on my segment, were, they were really clear about the fact that I had to own the pitch. Like they helped me craft it. Um, but you know, they, they had me do things that I, I told, like at one point they had in my thing, like some stage direction for me to wink. And, and I told, I told her, I said, Nicole, please don't make me wink. I just come across like a total creeper. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't play with me. And uh, she's like, no, 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 that's fine. I was just, she, um, so she was, so they, they were, but I can also see an entrepreneur just doing what they tell them to do, um, which is the worst thing anybody can do on that show is doing exactly what they're told. Um, 
so yeah, it, there's nothing natural about it, but I do feel like I was able to, I, I do feel like it played um, true. Yeah, yeah, awesome. No, I was just super curious about that. So thank you so much for that. Appreciate yeah. it. Anthony, we've got a ton of people that want to ask questions, but I'm really sure. just curious. I just realized as I was listening to Tyler, you've got that freaking awesome jacket that I thought was oh. Mr. Wonderful's. Did you have a... I had a second one made. I had, I had a backup. Yeah. Oh, right on. <laughs> Chris, you've got a question? Oh, Chris. Hello? Chris is on mute. Is he doesn't he realize it. What's going on? <laughs> well, Anthony, thanks for being with us. Um, so I, I actually, I'm very curious. So I know you've done quite a bit with the entrepreneurship world and stuff. So I'm actually in real estate and I was flipping homes in college in Detroit, which was really cool. So okay. um, I want to get back into, I want to be a developer and I want to start getting rentals going and stuff like that. Um, but I, I've got a conflict um with my so i've been i've been at my office for four years and my boss is incredibly successful and then the mortgage guy i work with they're both like one of the top people in the state so they like go over your budget and stuff every month it, it's very different um and they are just not on board with what i want to do at all and i just want to know like how you handle like totally going against people that you like respect their opinion but just don't totally don't agree. I, so i don't understand what you mean they don't so you want to do your own thing and they don't want you to? They want, this is what they want me to do. They want me to go buy my personal house and go move into a neighborhood and invest in an IRA and just be on the hamster wheel with real estate. That's what, that's what their, their vision is not. I want to get out and start doing like apartment building. They're, and start so they're the telling you what their vision for you is? Yeah, and I don't like it. <laughs> so it's a very, it's a very big conflict. I am not a fan, and I just want to know how to handle that. But, but aren't they entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean they're real estate. You know, one owns a real estate company, the other one is a top mortgage broker. So I guess and you so. work for them. Okay, so mm -hmm. um, one of three things is going on. Um, one, they don't think you have it. And they're trying to steer you away from it. Um, two, um, um, they are being self-serving and they don't want you to leave. I think, so I'm the top performer there. Yeah, so it's two. I don't even need to go to the third one. They're telling you what they want you to do, not what they, they're not serving you, they're serving themselves. Okay. okay. So, I mean, you're a young guy. Um, cast yourself 20 years from now. What do you wish you would have done now? I would be starting to buy up rentals and really start to build it because I want to so, phase so out. So, and if all, so if all things are, if all things go wrong, how bad is it for you? Worst case scenario, you do this, it goes totally south. How bad is it for you? Uh, declare bankruptcy and wipe the debt and start clean. That's I okay. Mean, so, so contemplate the worst case. Well, and, and, you know, 
I got to be careful here. So um, working for yourself is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, true. It requires a certain amount of brokenness. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, when you work for somebody else, uh, you watch those people do things that you, you'd be like ashamed of doing yourself or was like, I don't know if I could do that. Like all of that has to go away when you work for yourself. Well, and how I feel too, cause I'm a hundred percent commission. I, I basically, you know, I'm not a team. So the only, the advantage I have is if, you know, they give me clients and then I use my own clients too. So it's kind of like a half and half deal. So I feel like I'm already running my own business inside of a business in a way. Yeah. If you're the top performer in a real estate company and they're telling you that it's better for you to stay with them, consider the source. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I appreciate that. I love that. Hey, Mitch, you've got a question. You want to jump in? Yeah. I'm glad you uh, made a comment too about the suit jacket. Cause I was going to make a comment. I love it. I, I thought it was really cool. Um, so I guess uh, real quick too, very ballsy move and I love it when they said, are you organized? And you're like, no, I'm not, but I hire good people. So I love that answer. But I had a question really about your manufacturing. So you said you moved it back to Denver from overseas. I'm, I'm assuming China, but yeah. I don't want to jump over. Um, I guess what advantages and maybe disadvantages have you seen from moving production in-house? Um, so uh, the, the disadvantage is it's capital intensive. I had to put, I basically, I have no savings. If this doesn't work, I got to go find a job. Um, uh, so uh, I'm all in. Um, I've, and I've had to raise a little bit of outside capital as well. Um, the advantages are, are immense. Um, so offshoring or, or bringing things in from China requires a, a bet on the inventory, essentially. You're betting that you'll be able to sell what you buy and they have minimums. Um, also, the lead times are at least three months, if not longer. So I have to predict what I'm gonna sell over the next six months, starting three months from now. It's, it's dip, more difficult to do. Um, owning manufacturing allows me to manufacture just in time. Um, so I don't have as much upfront capital invested in inventory that's sitting on the shelf or that I can't sell. Um, manufacturing ourselves allows us to um, be extremely nimble with product development. So I can turn, we've turned new SKUs around in a few days, which most companies can't do if they're not manufacturing themselves. It also um, puts, us, puts us a lot closer from the design process and the manufacturing process. So we're, we're better able to design things that can be built by us rather than designing things that um, are di more difficult to build. Um, and, um, and we're able to be a lot more creative. Let me put it a different way. I own, I feel like I own more of my business when we own the manufacturing rather than um, relying on some other, whether or not that person that I'm buying from does a good job supplying it. So we've been really cautious about buying things like raw materials that aren't a commodity. So we take 
commodity raw materials and put them together in unique ways um, with a few exceptions. And uh, that just gives us a, uh, the ability to be uh, adaptive to customer demand and, and, um, and change when we need to. I guess just the second part too, were you worried maybe about um, somebody in China, maybe your supplier kind of like stealing your idea originally too? Do you think that's lifted some weight off your shoulders, bring it back? No, so no. So the, the, the products that we were making in China were the, I don't know, you probably, so, you know, if you saw the episode, the things that they were holding up with their portraits drawn on them, those are called, we call those tablets. Um, really hard to sell here in the U.S. Uh, so we were selling in education and it was hard to sell. Um, we're, we're, they're selling, but it's not, it's not an obvious, you can't just throw them on Amazon and sell them. Um, so I wasn't super worried about that. And um, they're patented. So we would be able to have force them to be taken down if, if that was the case. Um, but competition and knockoffs, um, I'm always worried about. Like the, the, our Stickies product line, which is the more, much more consumer friendly one, um, I, I'm always looking over my shoulder um, and trying to um, outpace anybody by by months, if not years, on what we're doing with those. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Hey, Anthony, I know I'm sure we're going to have some more questions and just like leadership and entrepreneurship. Uh, I am just curious. Uh, you, you, you talked a little bit about this in the Shark Tank pitch. I just, I, I'm genuinely curious because I have, uh, I got the, like the stickies, which I, I use. These are the coolest things, by the way, guys, like they're reusable sticky note. It's basically like post-it note, but it's a sticky and it's phenomenal. It just sticks forever. I'm not <laughs> plugging your products. I love the product. It's really good. And you talked about, you had the explanation of how you came up with this. And do you, do you mind just diving into how on earth you even thought like, I'm going to start a whiteboard company? Cause you kind of said it like we run a whiteboard company. It's crazy. But like, what was the problem you initially were trying to solve? And, and really, do you mind just taking us into that process of what well, you saw this if I'm being, if I'm being really honest, I just thought they were cool. Um, and so I kind of made it for myself to start, um, and then tried to figure out what the market was behind it. Now I did have a problem I was trying to solve, which was, um, uh, you know, this, I say this in the episode, but the people in the, in, in a meeting room or a classroom that have the best ideas are the least likely to share them. They're the quiet and cerebral. And I wanted to give them a tool that gave them a voice in that room. Um, and so that's the that's our mission behind all of our products is is helping people collaborate and create and organize. Um, but you know it's it's still it's still just dry erase dry erase products. Um, stickies were um, not act the stickies product line were not actually my idea. They were um, Sterling who was uh, with us in the early stage. He's like, what what if we made a like a static cling dry erase sticker? And uh, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Let me go. And then I went on a hunt to find something that could do that. Um, the stickies now, they don't stick with static. They stick with suction. Uh, so they're way better than static. There's static clean things out there that aren't, that aren't great. Um, so, yeah. So it was, it was somebody's idea that I went and pursued for almost a year before I found the first iteration of the, of the material that you're using. We're actually looking on it 
on improving that material and maybe even marketing it under its own brand name, the backing of the sticky. Love it. Tom, uh, where's Tom at? Oh, he's a little, his, his face is gone. I don't know, Tom, are you with us? Do you have a question for, for Mr. There he is. What's up? Um, this whole time I was looking on your website and I thought you had an app, but uh, I just checked on the uh, did. I didn't we see used one. You used to? Oh, okay. So I was just, all right, bomb. Uh, I just thought, okay. Uh, I was just wondering during like the development process of like the app you worked on, uh, what main problems you had during the whole process? During the development of the app? Yeah. Uh, none. So the app was super. So um, my last business, we, we built um, iPhone, we built software for fortune 100 companies, including iPhone apps. So I, I, I just have a really, really strong net or I did have a really strong network of great designers and develop software developers. Um, I tapped into the best one I, I knew, um, told them what I was and all, all the app did was take a picture and let you carve it up into squares and then save it to your photo library. It was super easy. Um, so yeah, it was th there, for me, there was no issues whatsoever. I, but again, it, it's, it, it was my background. It's what I know how to do. Okay, thank you. Anthony, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep butting in here with questions because I'm just super curious on this one. Uh, your tech background, what was your, do you mind taking us into your, the first company that you had the chance to work with and, or work on your first company, I guess, and, and how that- My first startup? Yeah. It was a small consultant. So um, I self-taught computer programming in high school on an Apple IIe computer um, using Wozniak's basic. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and just always just was, you know, fascinated by being able to do this and have something appear that you, that you tell it to just love building stuff like that. Um, and my, and my first company was, um, born, um, by a few of us that worked at a startup that we just hated working for. So we all started a little consulting firm and that consulting firm grew and was acquired by, um, and uh, so it was in LA. Um, I was working for Warner Brothers, um, feature post-production, was hired by the startup, worked for the startup for a year and hated it. So we started our own um, consulting firm and the Warner Brothers pedigree helped um, get us some gigs. And, uh, and then we were acquired by a company here in Colorado that was a startup incubator, and we wind up wound up being their, um, for lack of a better term, dev team. They acquired it was an aqua hire. They hired us for our talent, um, and we were building one of their products for them. And then from there, uh, the other company I started was a wireless internet service provider called Skybeam. Um, and then we I started another company called Piper Software. And when I say I, it wasn't just me. There was there was a group of us that that founded these companies. Um, uh, it was a marketing automation company. And then my last company was a company called Effective UI. And we were, um, it was truly an innovative company. We, we designed software from the user, user interface down rather than the data architecture up. So we were the world's first user experience agency and we became the world's largest. Um, we thought we were gonna build products for ourselves and fund those products by services. Um, and we, we just, 
we're too busy with services to ever get into our own products. How did that, how did you guys, how did that company, I don't know, how did that end? Did you guys get acquired or was Yeah, we got acquired by WPP, which owns all the big advertising. Oh, they own Ogilvy and J. Walter Thompson and Gray Advertising. They own all the big ad agencies. So, so um, not to go, okay, just, I'm just going to keep going on this real quick. Um, With your, with your companies, um, when you've, I guess, what's the difference between uh, starting a company to, have you ever started a company with the intent of selling it or what, how is it in, in, in even just to elaborate? Certainly not initially. Um, yeah. uh, um, now I'm more thoughtful about it. Um, so what I've recognized about myself is I like building stuff. I don't like managing stuff. Then there's a big difference. Um, so, uh, MC squares, we're building it to sell it. And that doesn't mean we're going to sell it and close it. That's, that's not usually what happens. It's I essentially I'm handing the gauntlet off to somebody that's better at managing an organization through incremental growth rather than trying to get something off the ground. I'm just, it's just, it's it's what I'm good at. And there's going to be somebody else better to come in and, and take over. Terrific. Perfect. Mr. Brennan Gibbons, you have a question. Well, yeah, it was kind of, you kind of just hit it right there, Aaron, with uh, asking about how he, uh, where he sees his plans for businesses. Like you mentioned, uh, you previously sold your first one. So I was kind of just wondering, um, myself being in the world of like mergers and acquisitions, like the art of the deal really interests me. So I was just kind of wondering what your plans were, like five-year outlook of uh, MC squares, but I mean, you kind of just answered it with Aaron, so you don't really got to go into too much more detail. Okay. Well, no, well, no. I, I'd be curious to hear that. Anthony, what's your five-year outlook on MC squares in terms of like revenue uh, well, where you guys are at? I want to grow it to 50 million and sell it. Allison, you've got a gig. That is awesome. <laughs> right. Well, we have a long way to go, but <laughs> that's, 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 I'm putting it out in the universe. That's what my plan is. Mr. Kyle McKenzie, you've got a question. Yeah. Uh, hi, Anthony. Uh, thanks a lot for being uh, here with us tonight. Shark Tank is probably one of my favorite shows, and I was kind of curious, like, what happened, like, behind the scenes after you make a deal, uh, especially working with Kevin. And I know you mentioned earlier that you worked with his team a little bit, so I was kind of curious, like, how often do you work with him versus his team? And then also – like, is he the same as he's portrayed on the show as kind of like mean, like cold guy, or I guess like, what's that like? Yeah. So, um, the first thing that, so right after you get off stage, two things, a couple things happen. You, they take you back to a, like a, a different studio and they film that like post tank thing where they interview you. Like, how was it? Blah, blah, blah. Like they, they call that the confessional in reality TV. Um, and then they, they wheel you back to your trailer. So I had a trailer. Um, and they send a psychologist to talk to you. They send a psychologist to every entrepreneur afterwards um, to see how you're doing, to make sure you're not going to go. You know, a lot of people that go there, their whole identity is wrapped around this product they're pitching. And uh, I can understand breaking down pretty bad if it doesn't go the way you had it in your head. Um, and then um, somebody from, if you make a deal, somebody from that Sharks team comes and talks to you. 
And the first thing that, that Alex said to me from Kevin O'Leary's team was, um, Kevin actually is a really good guy. <laughs> um, he just plays the villain on TV. And he says, don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't ruin his reputation. Um, uh, so um, I found that to be true. Um, and look, we, we are just getting into, we're putting the fine, finishing touches on the deal. So I can't really talk a lot about the details of what it's been to work, like, work with him after the deal because we haven't closed it yet. But um, he has a massive social network and lots of great connections that um, I'm totally planning on, on dipping into and taking full advantage of. Great. Thank you. Anthony, considering there's um, almost everyone in this group has, has, has been a young entrepreneur at some point, I, I'm just, we're really curious. Uh, actually, a lot of people did what Allison worked with, which was the student painters and actually okay. starting their own painting business. I'm really curious though, uh, what advice do you have for somebody who is, want, who actually really sanely wants to be an entrepreneur uh, in terms of- I don't of know. So there is no sense, there's no making sense of somebody that wants to be an entrepreneur. Um, it, on paper, all startups should fail. And a lot, and most do. Um, uh, the you're competing against incumbents with more capital, more resources, more runway, um, longer longer tenure talent, um, better sales channels. Like it's totally stacked against you. Um, so the question is, why do startups? Why don't all startups fail? It's because um, it's because of the entrepreneur companies, big companies can't keep, I shouldn't say that big companies struggle to know what to do with people with entrepreneurial spirits. They just struggle with it. And so the grit that successful entrepreneurs have often are, are like oil and water into big companies. Um, you know, you, they, you, you don't want to follow their process. You, you question everything instead of telling the company line, which is important for companies to have people that are just going to look, this is your lane. I want you to stay in your lane. Don't like, it's important for bigger companies to silo things like that. So I'm not digging on them. It's just, it's not a good fit for, for a lot of us. Um, so my, my, my first advice to anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur is don't do it. Don't. It's not worth it. Um, you have to be too broken and you have to have, you have to be able to willing to go through too much um, for it to make any sense. And it's, you're likely not going to win. You're likely going to, it's likely going to be a very frustrating experience for you. And if you're in it, um, I don't know why, I don't know what the motivation is that works money. The motivation of money um, it, it works, but only, but it doesn't lead to any happiness. The motivation of, of, you know, feeding your ego, that's out the window your first day. Like it's not an ego feed. Um, so I, I, I go back to this word broken. You've got to be broken enough to like, just, you just want to build cool stuff and, and see it grow and care about the business and your employees more than yourself. 
And so when I tell somebody that, that you don't do it, um, back away, I either get somebody that says, yeah, I really haven't thought about how, how hard it is. And I talk them out of it or they go, F you, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And that guy's the entrepreneur <laughs> or, or gal, right? It's like, if, if they look at me like that guy didn't know, he doesn't know his shit, like go away. There, like nothing I was, was going to say, I was going to talk him in or out of it anyway. Hey, Mitch, I just saw you threw a question in here. That was great, Anthony. Thank you for that. Mitch, you want to go? Yeah, so I had a question uh, kind of about your sales. So you mentioned earlier that your tablets were more for education, but it was really hard to sell that. Yep. So I guess, how did you change your sales pitch? And I'm assuming, are most of your sales done like through online stores and stuff? So tablets are sold, it's a hand, it's hand-to-hand combat. Um, so they, they, we sell those um, by going to trade shows and getting them in dealerships and into showrooms. You have okay. to hand them to a customer to get them to, to, to sell it or get them to buy it. So um, it's, it's a ground game for sure. Um, uh, actually, we've sold quite a few tablets just from the Shark Tank episode because that product was really featured. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so uh, that's been great. But, um, but most of the time, it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen from a, without holding the product. Um, the rest of our product lines do better, much better in e-com. So I guess what major change did you make to really skyrocket your sales? Because I know in, in Shark Tank, they said you did like 200,000 in a year and then you were doing 110,000 in a month. Like what pivot did you make in your sales process or in your marketing that really, I guess, put you on the pathway to... Uh, so to I don't think, I don't think... Um, so self-manufacturing helped. Um, because we were able to, we were able to get a broader spectrum of products. So we went from two SKUs to 60 SKUs that helped. Um, but also there is something to be said for just, um, uh, awareness. Uh, what I mean by that is if a school sees you three years in a row, they're like, okay, these guys are around for a while. Um, so that, so just being around for a while helps. And, and get that repetition of, oh yeah, I remember you guys from last year. I met, I, and then having case studies and then um, that, so that certainly has helped us with tablets. Um, and then also Stickies had a lot to do with our growth. This, the, the Stickies product line, very consumer friendly, cost approachable. Um, and that, that has fueled a lot of our growth as well. Hey, awesome. Anthony, I'm super curious uh, for you. Uh, I, you're, I, you strike me as somebody who really understands their strengths and wants to delegate as much as possible for your weaknesses, like just from watching the Shark Tank episode. Like you want to surround yourself with people who are wildly organized so you can focus on the things that you're best at. Well, not, not everybody. So it, it's not just wildly organized. Like um, I don't some of the people around me need to be organized, but anyway, keep, keep going on your, on yeah, your, no. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, just two things. What do you look for when you're bringing somebody on board? Like just in your hiring somebody in a startup atmosphere where you have limited capital, what are the traits you look for in somebody who's going to join your team? And I'm just curious uh, to hear you reflect on your journey as a leader over so many different companies in so many different years. How have you grown as a leader? What do you do differently? And just some of the, just your kind of growth as somebody who's worked with and managed and led uh, human beings for so many years. So um, the, the first thing that I do with most, I mean, Allison probably can tell you this story, but 
I, I warn people. <laughs> I don't. So it's like I find people that are are really talented, um, and then I tell them, you, "This is hard. Like working for a startup is hard. Um, be careful before you say yes to this gig." Um, the, the most important thing is the most important thing. Um, I would say it's even more important than talent is culture fit. Um, and that's a very like, you know, feely, touchy feely term. Uh, um, and what I mean by culture fit is, I guess it fundamentally comes down to the people we hire have to like people. Like, and it's in, again, I'm not dissing anybody that doesn't, I'm not dissing anybody that, that would rather just sit in a room alone. Um, but they're not a fit for us. We're a social, we're social and you have to be likable and you have to see the best in people. And those, and those kinds of traits work well in our organization. If you don't have that, um, you don't work with us. Um, well, you know, like you're, uh, you're just, you're round peg square hole. Um, so, so I've made a lot of hiring mistakes, um, fired more people than I ever should have needed to because of those hiring mistakes. Um, and what I can tell you for, for certain is every time I didn't like somebody, but I hired them because of their experience or their talent, I've always regretted it. Um, and it's really hard to put a hiring process around that <laughs> um, outside of um, just giving people the ability to I'll give you a great example. We really needed somebody in production. Um, we were getting overwhelmed and Ian, who's our operations guy, we found this guy, brought him in. He was looking for some, some, um, some work, but he was grumpy. He was just a grumpy guy. And, uh, and Ian's like, well, we need him. We need him. I said, remember, you have to work with this guy every day. And you're probably, if, if you don't like him now <laughs> through the interview process, you're definitely not going to like him in six months. And I said, but if we need somebody, I'm not going to, you know, you can do it. But it gave him pause. And I also gave him permission not to make the hire, even though he needed to. And so he waited and we found Royale, who's been awesome. Um, so it, you know, it's better to hire somebody, um, uh, wait and find the right person. Um, I, but that's, that's a platitude. I'll just, I'll skip that. Love it. Love it. Hey, um, with everything that's happening with COVID, I, 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 I first of all, you're really, I think, uh, LinkedIn's probably for me, that's, that's, that's how I see some of your stuff. Cause you seem pretty active on that platform. I swear I've seen three or four articles and I've only seen them on LinkedIn because you comment on all of them because they're about the future of workspace. And it's always about how we're moving to working from home. And every comment is you disagreeing with that, that we're moving. I yeah, backed off of that a little bit, a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts on that in terms of the shifting and moving, working from home and the value of working in person as a team. I know you, you have some thoughts on that. Do you mind you kind of comment space on that? Yeah, so people are working from, so companies aren't, forcing people to come into the office. People go into the office because that's how they want to go to work. Um, it's better for companies to have people work from home. It's less expensive. Um, so these companies saying, we're going we're gonna to let all of our employees work from home. 
it's not going to work. People don't like, there's a lot, there's, there's some folks that really appreciate it and are self-motivated and don't need the social interaction. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't. And so I, I get annoyed when, when um, leaders say hyperbolic statements like working from home is the future of all business. No, it's not. It's not. Working like this over video conference is really hard. It takes more time to be productive in brainstorming this way than it does if you're sitting in a room with some whiteboards and some and some dry erase markers. It's way easier to get ideas across. It's way easier to read body language, um, to read non-verbal non cues. Um, it's just way more efficient um, and productive. So, so there's a lot of things that you can do effectively working from home, but not everything. So I just don't think it is the, I, I hate these one, you know, this is the future and it's, that's the only answer. It's not, I mean, especially if you make stuff like how, how can we be a manufacturer and let people work from home? It's not possible. It's impossible. Anyway, um, I, I backed off a little bit. I used to get angry at people that spoke that way. Um, hey, excuse me, guys. Ella, can you please get out of my office and close the door? Hold on one second. <laughs> I absolutely love it. All right, guys. <laughs> Two and a four-year-old. Um, anyway, I don't know where I left off, but uh, well, well, let me let me throw one more at you. And by the way, if anybody else has anything else, we want to stick to time. Uh, throw it in the chat real quick. We got time for a couple more. Uh, Anthony, I'm just curious how did um, how did you kind of respond to information as it came in with the COVID um, craziness? And I guess what have you learned going through the pandemic as running a startup through? a crazy pandemic and everything that's happened with the economy and everything, I guess just kind of, is there anything you've learned kind of going through that or not even so much you learned? How did you respond to it just in general? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so we, we responded by um, almost immediately we came out with, with some, some bundles that help people work from home and uh, they, they did actually really well um, through it. But we also, we also saw a tremendous amount of growth on Amazon just outside on regular products. So I don't know, I really don't know if we grew because of the pandemic or be in spite of, I'm just not sure. Um, I wish I had better data on it. Uh, I just don't know. Um, I, I was worried for, um, so, so everybody that didn't need to be in the shop making stuff works from home. Um, so we are doing the social distancing thing and work from home. I know that everybody that's working from home is ready to get back in the office. Um, uh, <laughs> Allison's going, <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how to wrap my head around this um, other than um, I'm glad I have a team that's able to be nimble and work through adversity. That, that's, that's what we've had to do. Is this the strangest thing you've ever seen in terms of Easily. business? Yeah. Easily. Uh, yeah. I, there's all kinds of weirdness about this. Disney, Disneyland is closed. Like that is, that never happens. Um, uh, you know, I used to, if I'm being honest, I used to look at um, people in the airport with the masks and go, what nerds? Like that, that's, you're just, you're just 
overly paranoid. Um, I hate wearing a mask. Like I kind of, I want to be given the, my like almost rebel attitude. I want to go out without a mask just to, because I hate authority and I hate being told what to do. Um, but there's so much social shaming for doing for operating your life like that, that it's just, it's just a weird time and a polarizing time too, which that's the thing that has me worried. It's that everybody's so uh, it's either you agree with them or you're a jerk. And I just don't like that. Reality is much more in grays and I don't like this, um, this, um, yeah, polarizing atmosphere that we have right now. Oh, I just, uh, Tyler, you have a question. Yeah, definitely, Anthony. I guess probably one of the last questions. Um, but for me, uh, I actually just had the, the, I'm fortunate enough to be able to be working with a startup company right now. I have my own thing going on, but also like a really, um, uh, solidified startup. Um, they're called Vessel. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but, um, just started there like a month and a half ago. And I guess like, um, what do you have for like, I mean, tips coming into a startup? Um, Cause I really want to, you know, jump in, get a bigger role. I actually got offered um, a bigger, more responsibility already. So I guess in, a, in the startup world of a startup with so much potential and everything, what would you say to really, you know, I guess grow as fast as I possibly can within the company and give as much impact as possible um, without, you know, without forcing it, just doing it naturally. What would you give for tips there, I guess? Um, so it, Office politics are really, how many people are in your company? Uh, it's about 40 right now. Okay, so that's, that's fairly large. Are, are they in revenue? Yeah, they have revenue coming in. They haven't done their official product launch yet, but it's very, like I said, it's very on the, probably the end stage of the startup stage, but it's still, it's still right there. And where, where do you sit in the organization? Are you on the revenue generation side, the marketing, operations, where do you sit? Uh, recruiting right now with uh, my buddy Kevin, who runs the whole recruiting and talent team, and then I'm pivoting to marketing in the coming months. Okay, so yeah, this this is such a difficult question to answer generically. <laughs> um, I, I'll share. I, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick story why. So, um, uh, a friend of mine's wife um, just had back surgery. Before she had back surgery, um, she'd been going to chiropractors and different practitioners, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, she saw a surgeon who said, look, you really need surgery. Uh, took x-rays and he's like, look, your, your spine is way out of thing. We need to get this back. And she went and told her primary physician, so I'm finally going to go get back surgery. And her primary physician said, ooh, are you sure you want to, you're young. Like, are you sure you want to go through back surgery and get and do that? And it, it gave Kate pause like it made her really nervous that she was making the wrong decision and she actually put it off and her primary care physician later called and said you know what i just took a look at your x-rays and back surgery is totally the right thing for you and i thought to myself how the hell could that doctor give her like say anything without looking at the x-rays like what terrible advice without having all the data. And what you're asking me to do is give you some advice without seeing the x-rays. <laughs> and, and, and so, um, uh, very, 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 very difficult. It depends on the politics of the organization, who you're answering to, whose toes you're going to step on. The best thing that you can do is be an individual contributor, um, and a team player at the same time. 
that's very generic advice, but that's really the best way to add value is like that guy brings in revenue and everybody likes him. Like that's, what's going to win there. No, absolutely. I love that. The whole team player aspect is really what they're all about. And that's what I've been doing. So yeah. I'm just going to keep doing it, giving as much impact as I can. But thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Anthony. I know, and I know the more you much. rise, expect people to try to knock you down. Oh, 100%. Appreciate that. Thank you. I love it. Hey, uh, just as a, unless anybody else has anything else, you guys feel free to post in the chat. I just want to, Anthony, is there, is there anything else just in terms of um, um, advice for anyone who's young? I, I, we had a lot of people I mean, just young people in general who are either in school or right out of school where we're watching jobs evaporate away, uh, internships are just gone overnight just because of everything that's happened. Um, what advice do you have for young people right now in terms of just something that they could do to really start building their skills? Like, what would you be doing right now just out of curiosity if you were 21, 22 with everything that's happening right now uh, with, you know, your whole life in front of you, just out of curiosity, what would you be doing right now with all the craziness and COVID? And yeah, it, dep it depends on your financial situation, but I would, I would be doing as much free work as I possibly could. Building, establishing a portfolio uh, or um, uh, trying to, you know, if, if you're interested in sales and marketing, go do sales and go do sales on commission only basis. Um, or, or with a really low base and show that you want to earn your keep. If you want to um, work in operations, go and say, look, I'm going to come and work for you for a week. Um, and, and you don't have to even pay, pay me until blah, blah, blah. Um, so um, I would try to find it. If you can do that, um, go find a company you really want to work for in the long term, And, Offer to do um, work for, like, make it really easy. This is it. Make it really easy for somebody to buy you. Make it really easy. And make it so it's very low risk. I love that. I think that's a great way to end. Anthony, thank you so much. Awesome Shark Tank. I know we all enjoyed rewatching it. <laughs> I know I saw it live, but it was cool to rewatch it again. And uh, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of time with us. Uh, real quickly, if people want to follow you and your journey and everything with MC Squares and everything else, how do they, uh, I know obviously LinkedIn, I think you're going to say just because I know you're active on there. Any other social yeah. media? Just in general? Um, not, not really. I think LinkedIn is, is, uh, um, I got a little bit too invested in LinkedIn though. So I, I kind of backed off of it a little bit, but yeah, LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of me. It's just LinkedIn, just Anthony Franco is my profile. Um, uh, Alex, Alex actually already connected with me. Um, uh, so yeah, that's the, that's the best way. Message me there. If I could be helpful, happy to, happy to try anyway. Terrific. Well, and it, we'll have to get the group back together again. You'll have to come on once you sell MC squares for a hundred million dollars. We'll sure. <laughs> sure thing. Thanks so much, Anthony. Really appreciate you. Yeah, good luck, guys. Really good luck. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Get After It podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, whatever it is. Send it to a friend. Share this with a friend who you think uh, could get something out of this. Really appreciate you sticking around for this whole episode. As always, I'm your host, Aaron Griffin. Thank you guys so much. Let's make it an awesome weekend here as we head into the later part of Friday. Let's make it a great day. Let's make it a great week. Let's get after it, people. Take care.